Happy Memorial Day weekend. I hope you've all been able to get outside a little bit at some point, or will be getting outside at some point this weekend. Uh, we were at the cabin Friday, and last night we drove back this morning. Uh, Shree caught a really nice fish yesterday. I'll show you a picture if you're interested. Uh, I don't, I don't have it on the screen, but I can, I can. Uh, I don't think I can screen share to the computer uh, from here. I wish, I wish I was. Uh, you can kind of see it's a 40 inch northern. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a big fish. Uh huh. It was, uh, it was, it was big. She catches, she catches all the big fish. Yes. When she goes out fishing, she she catches the big ones. So, um, we had a lot of a lot of fun. The kids were in the water all day yesterday. Elijah's lips turned blue. I don't know how many times. Huh? I will. I'll post it in Slack. Yeah. Um, they had a ton of fun swimming and doing all the kid things that kids do, uh, wearing all the sunscreen. Uh, it is also another day today. It is Pentecost Sunday today, um, which is fantastic. I am actually going to be sharing a little bit about that this morning um, and continuing my series that I've been on the Holy Spirit um, this morning. So uh, over the, the past few weeks, I've, I've shared on what it means to flow with the Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, that there's power when we, when we partner, when we connect with the Holy Spirit. Um, and this week I'm going to talk about the first time the disciples, the apostles, those in the upper room, day of Pentecost, uh, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Were filled with the Holy Spirit. So, Pentecost Sunday, for those of you that maybe aren't familiar, uh, is always celebrated 50 days after Easter. Uh, the, the initial Pentecost, though, why Pentecost Sunday even happened outside of the Holy Spirit coming, why there were so many people in Jerusalem was it was a harvest festival. Uh, so we uh, often call it the uh, Feast of Wheat, uh, or Feast of Weeks, sorry, excuse me, Fe- Feast of Weeks. Uh, it's also known as Shavat. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and and. and Part of the reason why so many people were in Jerusalem during Pentecost Sunday is they were there to celebrate Shabbat, which was one of the most uh, traveled to um, feasts or festivals or gatherings because it was uh, conducive to traveling at that time. So setting the stage, Jesus dies, he rises again. We celebrated Easter about two months ago, which is well to think about. Uh, now we're at Pentecost Sunday. A lot has happened since then, right? So Jesus rises again. He spends time with his disciples. He ascends to heaven. But before he ascends to heaven, he tells his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait, for I'm going to send a gift to you. So that's at day 40. Day 50 is the day of Pentecost. So there's 10 days in between from when Jesus ascends to heaven and when Pentecost Sunday actually happens so the disciples all go to jerusalem they're there and it says in in the book of acts it's not just them but it's about 120 people in total Uh, and they're there waiting for this gift that was promised to them and and just as a a reminder it's the festival or the feast of weeks so there's a lot of other people in jerusalem at that time Um, 
So you can imagine kind of the scene of what Jerusalem had to be like for the disciples as they're coming in and, and waiting for the Holy Spirit. I also think it's really interesting how God's timing is always perfect. He knew that there was going to be a lot of people in Jerusalem that Peter would eventually minister to. His timing is perfect. Isn't that cool that it wasn't just a random Sunday? It was very specific timing when the Holy Spirit came. So, 120 people, they're sitting, waiting in the upper room. They're waiting. Can you imagine spending all of this time with Jesus? He ascends and he says, go to Jerusalem, and now you have to wait. And you don't know how long you're going to have to wait. He didn't give a time frame. He just said, go and wait. I'm sending something soon. Well, soon could be you get to Jerusalem and it happens. Soon could also be a year from then. So they're there waiting. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime you have to wait for something, oftentimes that waiting period can be tough. Ask me how I know I have four young kids. You know, you tell your kids uh, later. Well, later to Elijah is two minutes later. Is it later yet? Right? You know, we'll do that soon. When is soon to a kid? A soon, soon to a kid is, oh, okay, we're going to do that in two hours. Well, it might be three days. So you can imagine if a child is like that, as adults, we're just the same, right? You know, you're going to go, you, you're getting a, a fancy new car, you, you know, but it's getting delivered. If, if, you're, if they were delivering a new car to you and they said, it'll be delivered soon, you'd be like, when is soon? I need to know a day. When, when can I expect this car to arrive? So you can imagine the anticipation that the, the disciples were waiting on. So they're in Jerusalem. They're waiting. There's about 120 of them in total. And then there's one thing I want you to remember. So at this point, the disciples had already started following Christ, right? They had entered into the new covenant. What happens when you enter into the new covenant? The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. So I think oftentimes people think of the Holy Spirit as this is the first time after Jesus came that the Holy Spirit made his presence known. The Holy Spirit was already dwelling in the believers. This was the first time the Holy Spirit came and filled the believers. So I, that's, that's important. I want you to understand that. That this was a time that the Holy Spirit came and made his presence tangibly known. So we're going to start there. If you want to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. We're only going to read the first four verses, so it's not, it's not a ton. But Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. So we know the Holy Spirit was already dwelling in the believers because they had accepted Christ. Now, if they hadn't accepted Christ yet, that's a whole other story. But because they had already accepted Christ, started a relationship with Him, the Holy Spirit came and dwelled in them. So this is the first infilling of the Holy Spirit. So, there's a few things that I want to point out. So turn with me to Acts 2, 1 through 4. I'm going to read it here, and then we're going to go through, go kind of verse by verse through this passage of Scripture, because it's very powerful. So Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and it says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a violent tempest blast, and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were separated and distributed, and which settled on each one of them. And they were all filled, 
diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other different foreign languages, tongues, as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue in appropriate words. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation, too, because I believe that is uh, also pertinent to... That was out of the Amplified. You could probably guess that by the wordiness of it at times. Uh, the New Living Translation says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven, like the roaring, uh, roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Other translations. So out of the New King James... Verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Let's start there. So all of these folks were gathered together in one place. Sounds pretty similar to a church, if you ask me. The New King James says they were all in one accord. One accord. What does that mean? What does it mean to be in one place? Accord. Exactly, George. They were all together waiting patiently, probably having to really wait patiently, if you know what I mean, for the gift that Jesus had promised them. And I just want you to picture, imagine waiting for that gift. Jesus said, I need to leave so that way he can come. And if you just spent three years following Jesus and you saw all the miraculous things that he did, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's coming and Jesus said he needed to leave, the anticipation had to have been tough at times to wait. It'd be, I wrote this in my notes, it'd be like Christmas morning on steroids. Like, it'd be really hard to wait, right? Yet they were still in that waiting. They were together in one accord, expecting God to move. They were together in one accord, expecting God to move. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what they were even waiting for. They knew it was a gift, but they didn't know what it was. And yet they still stayed together in one accord, expecting God to move. So last week we talked about the Holy Spirit and flowing in the Holy Spirit. And that it isn't just one of us that needs to do that. Again, I can't imagine that all 120 people that were in the upper room were sitting there, staring at Peter, waiting for him to say, all right, he's coming, he's coming. I'm sure they were all talking amongst each other. They were praying with each other. They were were doing it together in one accord, one body, each bringing their supply. And that's truly what this significance of the day of Pentecost is, is it wasn't just one person. The Holy Spirit came and descended on all of them. Equally. It wasn't just, all right, the Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to choose the five teachers and He's going to fall on them and and then the teachers are going to teach the people. No, the Holy Spirit came on everyone. The Holy Spirit is not a respecter of persons. He comes and fills every believer. Every believer. So I think that's important for us in today's church. While I think that it is important that we have pastors and we have teachers and we have apostles, we have evangelists, 
people flowing in the giftings that God has given them. That doesn't mean that one is more significant than the other. Right? Because everyone has individual strengths that the Lord has given them. And the Holy Spirit knows that. So he's going to come and he's going to affirm you in what those strengths are. You might be really good with people. He's not going to be like, well, because you're a people person, I can't. No. He's going to come in and say, hey, you're, this is really good. I want to teach you how to use that. Right? So here they are. They're in, in one accord. They're sitting together, waiting, anticipating what God is going to do. And what do you think our gatherings would look like if we had that same expectation? If we had that same revelation of being in one accord, no matter the distractions were around us, we, we came together and we're expecting God to move. Now, the day of Pentecost is a historic moment in the church, right? We read about it in Scripture but the same Holy Spirit that came and dwelled on the disciples, the apostles then, is the same Holy Spirit today. Amen. So if he can come in like a rushing wind and have pillars of fire on top of people, why would that change today? Why that power is still the same today, right? Amen. So if we had that expectation, now I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is going to come in like a rushing wind with tongues of fire every Sunday when we get together. That's not what I'm saying, but what I am saying is, the power that is in the Holy Spirit is the same then as it is today. And I truly believe that if more and more churches had that mentality, that every time they gathered, it was in one accord and everyone was pursuing the same thing and allowed the Holy Spirit in to move, I think all of these things that we're struggling with, battling within the body, would just go away. Because as somebody had a need, the Holy Spirit would tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, go pray for that person. The Holy Spirit would say, hey, go give that person a hundred bucks. They need it. Whatever. And you would be obedient. you go, okay, that's what I need to do. But I think oftentimes we get so trapped in this mentality of, well, if this person's not doing it, then I can't. Phony baloney. You bring your full supply every Sunday. Bring it together in one accord. Bring it together as a body and watch how the, how, how the Lord uses that. How the Holy Spirit uses that. So I want to move on to verse 2. So verse 2 says, <clears throat> out of the Amplified, When suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a violent tempest blast, and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. The New King James says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Why do you think it's significant that the Holy Spirit came as a rushing mighty wind? I've read this verse over and over and over again throughout my life, and it hit me this moment as I was, as I was preparing for today. So the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. I think I'm saying that right. Um, it means wind, it means spirit. And that same word is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. If you remember in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, I can, I'll turn there and read it to you. It says, uh, 
The earth was without form and an empty waste, and darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. The Spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. So we know that the wind mentioned here, Ruach, is the same Spirit that was hovering over the waters. If you move a little forward in Genesis, Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, after the mighty flood, it's the same Spirit that God re- uh, released onto the earth a mighty wind to dry up the waters from the flood. So isn't it significant that the first time the Holy Spirit would come and fill the believers, He shows up as a mighty rushing wind. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that cool? That He would show up as a mighty rushing wind. And it doesn't say that He showed up as a mighty rushing wind and then left. It said He showed up and filled the entire house. Can you imagine that in your brain, what it must have been like to be sitting and then all of a sudden a mighty rushing wind came in and blew your hair and all of it, you're like, whoa, what's going on? I think you would know pretty quickly that was the gift that the Lord was sending. This is what we were waiting for. And I think it's important also to remember, this is the first time that the Holy Spirit filled Everyone. Filled everyone. In the Old Testament, if you look at the times that the Holy Spirit was there, oftentimes it was for very specific purposes or on very specific people. He wasn't there all the time, but he, he was inserted into certain situations. This was really the first time that the Holy Spirit came in and filled everyone. They didn't, it didn't matter if they were... Uh, you know, young or old, he filled everyone that was there. And that's so important because today, in today's churches, oftentimes we can get, you know, construed views of who the Holy Spirit is. Oh, the Holy Spirit, yeah, that was something that, that was great for the early church, but, you know, we don't really, we don't really need that in today's church, Right? Oh, Holy Spirit, that, speaking in tongues, that was something that, that they did back in the early church. That, that's not something we do now. Baloney. Again, the same Holy Spirit that was there then is the same Holy Spirit today. And why would the Lord ever give us a gift, a filling of the Holy Spirit one time, and the power that came from that, and then never say, oh, nope, that was just for that time. I'm never going to give that to my children ever again. You wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't say, here's this incredible power that you have as a believer, this authority that you can tap into. And I'm only going to give it to a select few at the beginning of the church. After that, you don't need it. No. If they needed it then, we definitely need it now. Right? So it's important that we remember that the Holy Spirit isn't weird. It's not something that we just talk about He's there as our helper, our comforter, our counselor, our our help just to guide us through our life. And when this mighty rushing wind came and filled the entire house, as the Amplified says, a violent tempest blast. I can't imagine it was like a, a light, cool breeze. It was probably a, whoa, knock your feet, knock you off your feet blast. Everyone felt it. Everyone felt it. And you know why everyone felt it? Because they were all together in the same place in one accord. 
They're all together in the same place in one accord. I'm sure many of you have been in services where you see people that are just slain in the spirit. They're just, whoa. And you're sitting there going, I don't feel nothing. I remember when I was younger, Rodney Howard Brown would come up to Living Word every once in a while. And oftentimes, Rodney Howard Brown, in his services, people would just break out in laughter. Maybe they would just be touched by the Spirit, and they weren't crying, they were laughing. And I don't know how many times when I was in high school that I'd go to his services and I'd be like, I'm not, I don't, what's going on? And I would, <laughs> you know, you'd fake laugh because you didn't want to be the one person, everyone else around you is laughing and you're like, what's going on? You didn't feel it. And I think about that now and I was like, well, I probably wasn't in a spot to receive that night from what the Holy Spirit needed to do or, you know, whatever it may be. That's why this is so significant that they were together in one place, in one accord. They all felt the wind. They all, there wasn't like, wow, what's going on here? They all felt the wind. Let's move on to verse 3 and 4. Verses 3, And and there appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were separated and distributed, and which settled on each one of them. Again, every single person. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression. So let's first look at verse 3. Pillars of fire rested upon each believer, as the Holy Spirit moved throughout the house. Pillars of fire. What do we think of fire as typically in our society today? We use it for heat, for fuel, to purify things. Fire can be used to restore, create new, and make something better. So think of a controlled fire. I want you to think about this. Our neighbors, two years ago, they burned their entire lawn because it was just filled with weeds. It was terrible. They just moved in. They burned their entire lawn. Now they have the nicest lawn in the neighborhood. Why? Because they used fire in a controlled way to destroy the old and bring forth the new. So it burned all the weeds, killed everything, and they were able to plant what they wanted. So controlled fires, controlled burns are really important. Uh, we, we love to go to the boundary waters. I know I've shared that. Uh, the, the, the path that we take probably 10 or 12 years ago was destroyed by a wildfire. But now if you go through there, you still see some chard, but so much green, lush, new growth that came from after the fire. That same fire, that same controlled fire, if left uncontrolled, can be destructive. Think of a wildfire out in California. A tiny little spark can destroy thousands and hundreds of thousands of acres. That little spark. So we know fire has so much control. The thing about the Holy Spirit is when He comes and rests on the believers here, and there's a pillar of fire, it's not the latter where it's out of control. It's the the first. The Holy Spirit comes to purify you, to take away the things that are not good in your life, and purify you, to bring you and make you see who God created you to be. He convicts you of your righteousness. He shows you that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He comes and purifies the old and brings forth the new. He not only comes and rests rests on us, 
but he comes and cleans us up. He purifies us as well. And I know I've mentioned this, but why, why did everyone need to be involved in this? God was making a declaration in the scripture and in act that no matter who you were, the Holy Spirit was for you. No matter who you were, the Holy Spirit was for you. As you read on it in Acts, <clears throat> you hear of Peter and having a vision of the banquet table and how God was showing that I'm not just here for the Israelites. I'm not just here for the Jewish people. I'm here for the Gentile as well. And I think this is a beautiful example of how the Holy Spirit came for everyone. If you think back before Jesus, those that were considered religious were the priests, the Pharisees, right? Those are the ones that everyone looked at. Oh, they must be really close to God. And what this really showed is that everyone, no matter your age, situation, circumstance, could be filled with the Holy Spirit. In order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you first have to know Christ, though. Being filled is part two. Being filled is part two. So as we look into verse 4, the pillars of fire come and rest on the believers. Then they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And what do they do? They start speaking in other tongues. They start speaking in other tongues. Can you imagine what that had to have been like? I've, I, what am I? I've never, what in the world? I'm not speaking my own language. This is, this is bizarre. This is crazy. What's going on? And then they just start going back and forth and they, they start talking. And I know in our church, we are, we are a tongue-speaking church. But in the body of Christ today, there's, there's a lot of controversy around whether or not tongues should be something that we do. Again, I, I would say this, that if the Holy Spirit came and rested on the believers in the early church, and He, the Lord, gave the gift of the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in tongues... Why would the Lord give a gift then that isn't applicable now? Right? He is the same. He's the same. It's like any other, any, you think of a tool in your, in your, in your workbench, whatever. You're not going to have a screwdriver that worked in 1920 that all of a sudden, no, no, the screwdriver, no, it still works the same then as it did today. Right? It might be a little old and rusty, a tool, a physical tool. The Holy Spirit isn't, but the, the same tool works the same as it did then as it did today. So if the Holy Spirit came and rested on every believer then, why wouldn't he do the same now? I'm not, I don't have enough time today to really start like breaking down what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's going to be next week. Um, because I think it's, it's a critical component of our walk with Christ being baptized in the Holy Spirit because it is a next step that you take. You accept Christ and then being baptized in the Holy Spirit truly embraces the gifts that the Lord has given you through the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so I want to start to close with this. The Holy Spirit is yearning to move through His body. He wants to move. He wants to be unleashed to be able to do what he needs to do. Not just in a church. That's part of it. But he wants to be able to move in your life. 
He wants to be able to move in your relationships. He wants to move in your finances, in your decisions, in whatever it may be. He wants to be a part of that. He's yearning for that. The early church was expecting a wonderful gift from the Lord. They didn't know what it was, but they were expecting. They were all together in one accord, waiting for that gift. Ready for that gift. Very good. Ready for that gift. Again, I, I imagine they were together for those days, praying and seeking the Lord, ready to receive. And I want to encourage you all, let's be the church that eagerly waits for what God is going to do next. Let's be that church where we are eagerly waiting for what God wants to do next. That we are so keen on what the Holy Spirit is doing and moving through all of us that we have boldness to share what's on our heart. That if you're like, I got a word, I don't, I don't even think like, oh, do I say it? No, you get up and you share it. You get up and you share it. You're so keen to what the Holy Spirit is doing that we would be a place that the Holy Spirit can rest that we would be a, 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 that we'd be able to host his presence that there wouldn't be any roadblocks put up no roadblocks that we would be a church a people so on fire for what he is doing that we would be so on fire for what he is doing now what we're doing we can get real excited about stuff that we're doing about new programs new things no, that we would be so excited about the things that He is doing that we wouldn't run away from it, but that we would run into it. So next week, I'm going to continue this series, but I'm going to be talking a little bit more in depth about what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, why it's so important to us. So if you know somebody that maybe hasn't ever experienced that, or that invite them, please bring them, because I would love, love, love to have a conversation. Just share with Share with them. We're going to have an opportunity at the end of service. This is something the Lord put on my heart a couple months ago. I've been waiting for the right time to do it, and next week it is. Where if somebody's never had the opportunity to be baptized in the Spirit, we're going to do that. I'm excited about it. It's going to be, uh, and, and that's not just for adults. I know we've got kiddos that, uh, man, when kids pray in the Spirit, it's powerful. Um, so we're going, to, we're going to be doing that next week. So if you've got somebody that... Um, would benefit from that, that maybe has questions about it, invite them along. I would love to share my heart with them what the Lord has shown, shown me over the last couple months about this. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord, I just so thank you so much for this time today that we could come together, that we could worship you, that your word could be declared. Lord, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit, for the gift that he is to us that he remains and continues to be with us. Lord, I just ask that you continue to bring us together, this church, this body, in one accord. That we would be able to come together every single time we are together in one accord. That there would be no strife, no division, no, nothing that is holding us back from fully embracing what you're doing in this body, in this church, in this community. Lord, we just thank you so much for this weekend, this Memorial Day holiday, this Pentecost Sunday, for what you sent and what you gave to 
the initial church and what you continue to pour out through your spirit in today's church. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, just a few quick announcements before we wrap up. Um, happy Memorial Day Sunday, I, I, Memorial Day weekend. I found out something new this weekend. Memorial Day, there's, there's, a, there's three holidays that we celebrate to support our military services. So there's Armed Services Day, which is the third Saturday in May, and that's to recognize any current military personnel. There's Veterans Day, which we celebrate November 11th. That's to celebrate any active veterans who are still living. And then Memorial Day is to remember anyone that served in our military that has gone, gone on um, past its life. So um, Memorial Day is a, a, an important day. Um, it's not just a day to be on the lake or having a barbecue or doing whatever. George? Oh, I didn't know that. I had never heard it before either. That's why I wanted to kind of mention it because I thought, well, that's kind of cool. We don't know many people publicize it, but it's no. Three o'clock tomorrow. It does. Um, that's good to know. Thank you for sharing that, George. Um, so Memorial Day is tomorrow. Uh, we have uh, our life group season is officially wrapped up. Uh, for the for the summer, so um, you'll have some time back on your Thursdays. We'll pick those back up again in the fall. Uh, we still have corporate prayer on Tuesday evenings at 6:30, so please come if you can. Man, last week uh, was heavy in here on Tuesday night. It was um, it was a really good good time of prayer. Um, so please can come if you can on Tuesdays. Um, next Sunday, no, what is today? Yes, next Sunday is Evangelism Sunday. Um, so Sarah's not here this week. Um, the, their family is out of town, as are many families in our in our church today. Um, but if you would love to go out for evangelism, I know Sarah and, and Steve have gone out the last few months, and it's been just incredible times just sharing the love of God with people. So please go if you can. The Saturday after that, we'll be serving with the uh, Fresh Express Food Ministry. Um, and on that note, I got a note from... Liz Torado, who is the president of Fresh Express, uh, and in the month of um, May, month of May, uh, they served over 2,000 households for food and clothing in the St. Croix River Valley. So the impact that our church is able to have partnering with them and the impact that that ministry has far reaches outside of these four walls. Um, so thank you so much for, for being a part of our church and, and for helping um, uh, support that ministry. Uh, and then last but not least, again, mark your calendars. Sunday, July 16th, we will have our all-church picnic at Lake Elmo Park Reserve. So more details to come, but put it in your calendar so that way you're ready to go. All right, Chris has prepared some incredible treats for us today. Um, so please head over, grab a snack. Enjoy some fellowship time and have a fantastic rest of your weekend. Communion! We are going to do communion, yes. My goodness, I was in the flow and I, I totally missed it. Yes, let's, let's take communion before we... Thank you, Steve, before we close. Oh, goodness. Yes, let's take communion. All right. 
Uh, that's why it's important to have people that remind you of things when you're just flowing, forgetting. Um, so we're going to take communion together. Again, I, I, I think it's so important for us to remember not only the gift the Holy Spirit is to us, but the gift that Jesus is and continues to be with us. Um, you know, one of the words as we were praying this morning that came up in my spirit is legacy. As, as we're praying over you, Grandma, but uh, uh, legacy. And can you imagine the legacy that Jesus has given us, right? His legacy far reaches into all eternity, the gift that He is and continues to be with us. And when we take communion, we get to partner with that legacy. We get to remember the, the sacrifice that Jesus, Jesus did for us. So go ahead and take your bread. Just take a minute. Just think of the goodness of God. Remind yourself of the goodness of God, how good Jesus is, how much He loves us, how much He cares for us, how much you've been set free by the blood of Jesus from all sickness, from all ailments, from every disease, every, every horrible thing. You have been redeemed from that by the blood of the Lamb. So as He was with His disciples, He took the bread and after giving thanks, He broke it. And He said, Take, eat, this is my body. As often as you eat it, remember me. And then He took the cup and He said, This cup represents the, my blood shed for you. Shed for you. As often as you drink it, remember me. Thank you, Lord, for your shed blood, your broken body. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we get to be a part of that new covenant, that you paved a way, that you created a way for us to enter in the Holy of Holies and never have to leave because of your shed blood and your broken body. In Jesus' name, amen.